Mean Jean Okerlund has passed away. Mean Jean was most notably known in the then WWF and later WCW as the backstage interviewer for those respective promotions. There will never be another Mean Jean Okerlund and her deepest sympathies and prayers go to his family, his fans, and his friends. We'll see you again, Gene. gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages good brothers good sisters welcome back to another great episode of the revisionist booking heard right here on the wrestling perspective network what shenanigans can michael barry and rg get into make sure you tune in this week and as always let the revisionist revolution begin Yeah, no, I would tend to agree, RJ. Um, if anybody who listens to the X Pac one two three six zero, they address this as well. And uh, a lot of people have said that you know they they've seen uh, Gene you know recently, and they've heard about there may be some health issues going on, um, but that you couldn't tell. Um, and and you know, me Gene, so uh, you know, uh, quote unquote. Didn't wasn't selling it, so uh, very sad news. Uh, mean Gene Okerlund, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan, was uh, someone who you know both of those uh, uh, fine men were people that were staples of the Golden Voice, and I'm sure you RJ's uh, childhood, and uh, definitely will be missed. A sad day in wrestling for sure. Yeah, yeah, and like we heard in that brief uh, ten bell salute that we did for him, uh, you know, being earlier on the WW, then WWF, and then later WCW, both two different types of generations of fans heard uh, Gene Orkelin and, 
you know, his, uh, there, there will never be another Gene Orkelin. And, you know, uh, as if some of our listeners don't know, I am a backstage interviewer myself for Upstate Pro Wrestling here in Rochester. And, um, you know, and I tweeted out from my own page where I hope I could ever be half the interviewer that he was. So uh, rest in peace, Gene. We'll miss you. And, uh, you know, we'll move on. You know, unfortunately, wrestling business will move on, unfortunately, and uh, without you. And uh, we'll go from there. But uh, last week on the Revisionist Booking, right here on the Wrestling Perspective Network, we did the bash at the beach. Uh, Michael, any any reaction, good, bad, and different that you heard from that episode? No, I think it was overall a, a solid show. It was awesome going back and really, you know, kind of reliving such a monumental, um, you know, event that happened. Obviously, that was the birthplace of the NWO. Uh, that was, you know, and those that are too young to remember it, um, you know, really Hulk Hogan turning heel was a, a, a tremendous, a big deal. Um, something that hadn't be, been seen by casuals and even some of the diehards alike, um, you know, in, in quite a while, if ever. Uh, you know, Hogan was somebody who was known as, you know, the real American hero. He was, you know, you know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers. You know, um, he was the all-American good guy. Um, and it was truly a monumental time in wrestling. Uh, you know, you have... Uh, you know, the, the, the dirt sheets now and all that weren't as big because, you know, you a lot of that was you had to make phone calls um, and, and dial 1-900 numbers. We didn't have the Internet readily available. So, you know, I don't think that you'll see something like that happen in this day and age because times they have changed. But, you know, that being said, I, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed rebooking it, um, you know, with obviously being cautious not to change too much. You, on the other hand, RJ, decided to uh, change it, you know, pretty significantly. And I got to say, I, I, I don't have issue with that whatsoever because, you know, it takes a lot of guts and it's not an easy thing to accomplish. Well, see, I'm, I'm here for, to be the voice of the voiceless. I'm here to be the voice of the people. And, you know, I kind of, you know, trying to, you know, steer it certain ways that I think that other people would want to watch it. And uh, hopefully, hopefully I did just that. But, uh we got another great show this week. We're going over and revisiting, revising, and rebooking. Uh, Halloween Havoc from 96 uh, came to us on October 27, 1996, from, the Parad- from Paradise, Nevada, the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh, you know, this was, a lot of buildup was to this with the main event of Hogan versus Savage. We, we didn't know, okay, Savage, his first appearance in the WCW, is he, what is he going to do to Hogan? He's going to shake his hand. Is he going to slap him? Is he going to beat him up? Who knows? We don't know that. So that's kind of the draw that they had going into this event. Um, and it, it was what it was. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, a lot of it I remember myself. So, you know, there was a couple dark matches, though. We featured, it looked... Uh, Fairly, only two matches, though. We had Jim Powers defeating Pat Tanaka, and then we had uh, a tag team match with Psychosis and Juventud Guerrero defeating Halloween and Damien. Uh, so, you know, a little, little bit of kind of high flyers before we got to the main card itself. Uh, 
But we saw the first match on the card, main card was the Cruiserweight Championship. The champion, Rey Mysterio, taking on Dean Malenko. Uh, and then for anybody that remembers at this time, these two guys, Mysterio and uh, Malenko, uh, faced off at the last pay-per-view which was Bash at the Beach, which we went over last week. So we see a bit of a longer storyline with these two guys. And on top of that, we saw the Cruiserweight title lead off the show yet again. So what a better way to start off a pay-per-view than with the Cruiserweights, Michael. No, absolutely. This was a staple of WCW back in 96 and even prior um, a couple of years. Um, Eric Bischoff has stated that on 83 Weeks. Um, you know, that really their format was, you know, they wanted to be unique in that they had the cruiserweights coming in from Mexico, Japan, and, and basically overseas. Um, and I think that's, you know, what you see here, kind of the format of a Nitro, which would be the same format for a pay-per-view. Uh, so you did get a lot of the opening uh, match being... Uh, either for the cruiserweight title or involving various cruiserweights. Um, and, and really, none too better uh, than the two individuals in this match, Malenko and Mysterio, put on a, a, a hell of a show, as usual. Um, you know, uh, Dean Malenko, as I've stated in, in previous podcasts, was someone who was vastly underrated. Uh, and I, you know, thoroughly enjoyed his matches, so... Uh, you know, you have, you know, Ray Mysterio Jr. It goes without saying he's still doing it today in 2019 uh, for WWE. But back here, much younger uh, and, you know, definitely someone who, you know, could put on a show uh, entering in as champion. Mm-hmm. And we, we did see Dean Milenko actually uh, get the uh, victory over Mysterio to win the Cruiserweight Championship. And, uh, you know, it was it was what it was. One of the fan- most fantastic matches that i've seen on this card probably one of my favorite ones outside of this next match that we had which featured diamond dallas page taking on eddie guerrero ddp going over eddie guerrero and we yet did not see the uh the ddp that we know nowadays but we saw the whole cigar smoking you know trash talking son of a gun that he was but i would have really like to see this gimmick that he was doing now at this point i would like to see him take this a little bit longer i don't know how you how you feel about it but um well you know this was a fantastic match well you know and definitely it was a fantastic match and i think again not to keep you know going back to the well but on 83 weeks uh, eric bischoff did have a discussion and i i tend to really see what he was talking about uh when he was discussing it with conrad thompson in that, you know, you had DDP, who was kind of the man of 10,000 gimmicks, right? He had a lot of stuff going on. And I think, you know, DDP, as engaging as he was for me, I've always been a pretty big fan of DDPs, um, but I thought he became more entertaining with the less is more aspect and kind of pulling away some of those gimmicks because some of it was a bit much, especially considering the fact that really we were going to see a transition for DDP um, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but we all remember, I feel like it may have been the best feud in WCW, perhaps of all, not all time. I, let me, let me stop myself there. At least for this era when DDP and macho man, Randy Savage were going at it. Right. Uh, and there yeah. was so much psychology involved in that. And it's hard to really push that. If you have someone who's, you know, smoking cigars all the time and has just all of this stuff going on, 
it's hard for people to follow. We're diehard wrestling fans, so maybe we can follow it, and it still makes it difficult, but you also got to remember you're trying to make this for even the casual fans to engage them. And, again, less is more. I agreed with the direction that they went with uh, with, a, with a DDP in this situation. And, and keep in mind, too, he actually got back his ring after this match, too, with the whole quote-unquote heel Nick Patrick referee with the whole neck brace and, you know, all that jazz, too. But, um, yeah, the first they started off pretty hot, you know, hitting the ground running with these two first matches. Uh, but then we got to this next match. Um, it was what it was. We saw the Giant, who had the U.S. championship with himself, with him, Unfortunately, he was not the U.S. champion. He ended up, quote-unquote, stealing it from the champion, Ric Flair. Um, taking on T Jeff Jarrett. And Giant going over Jarrett by DQ when Ric Flair, who was in the corner of Jeff Jarrett, um, how can I put this, um, Took the Giant down with a uh, low blow, let's put it. Uh, this match was what it was. I, I couldn't remember, and even going back and looking at it, why was Ric Flair not in this pay-per-view? Well, I think he was. I mean, you know, he wasn't in a match. I, I understand where you're coming from there. But he was heavily involved. Um, and actually, uh, as you get down uh, later in the card, um he was involved, you know, in a sense of where his whereabouts were and stuff like that. So I think that, um, you know, uh, I think it, it, there's more to come. But, yes, he wasn't involved in a match per se. Um, not sure if he was dealing with an injury here or what was going on exactly. Um, but I think, you know, really WCW was known for that, right? You wouldn't see people. And it's it wasn't a bad thing. You wouldn't see everybody. Every so, for example, this was around the time Sting was was gone on a hiatus. Um, so you know, it helped keep characters fresh as well. Um, Ric Flair was a big deal, a special deal. Uh, a lot of people talk about Brock Lesnar today, whether he deserves to kind of come and go as he pleases. Well, I can tell you, I mean, you know, I think you would agree, RJ, and many I feel should agree that you know Ric Flair was a very special attraction and not someone you necessarily wanted to bring out every time. Right, right, and you know better than anybody and everybody that has listened to the past episodes of uh, the revisionist booking right here on the wrestling perspective network they know that rick flair is my favorite wrestler of all time and i will never ever on my card have him lose and if you want to quote me on that time stamp it fine that's great i'll never have him lose um but yeah that's you know a lot of people love to have that hate on lesnar today but you know cena was the same way uh triple h was the same way you know, they go for a little bit and come back, then go and come back. So, you know, it is what it was. Different times, obviously. But um, to move on, our next match featured six, a.k.a. X-Pac, a.k.a. Sean Waltman, taking on Chris Jericho. Uh, six Pac, or six Pac, or six, whatever you want to call him, defeated Chris Jericho in a uh, – it was a good match. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, like a five-star, 12-star Tokyo Dome match. But um, it, it was what it was. 
was. And we saw it this time. You saw Ted DiBiase basically being the uh, the voice of the NWO at this time up in the crowd with the Giant with Six and kind of introducing them. Um, I don't know how you felt about that, but I thought it was a good way of kind of getting getting the NWO over even more. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, at this time, I believe the Giant was, I believe he turned in this pay-per-view, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, I mean, he definitely, you know, they had to find a spot. I think it was fairly obvious to anyone who 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 were who watched this uh, back then live that this was more of a reality based on the fly type booking style. So I think the initial thought was, let's get you know let's have Ted DiBiase be the uh, benefactor of the NWO. There had to be who was who was paying these guys, who was you know financially, how did this make sense? And um, I truly believe, and and I'm sure Eric Bischoff, and he can contend this, and he was there, I wasn't. Um, but I, I don't know that the plan was always for Eric Bischoff to be revealed as, you know, the main guy behind. I think what happened was they brought the million-dollar man in to kind of be that guy, and it kind of went off like a popcorn fart in church. So, yeah. you know, that being said, you pivot. And to their credit, that's see, that's the stuff that today, I feel like in today's product, um, you know, and I'll go ahead and say WWE, I think that's where, and they don't have a need to, and I get that, but I think that's kind of what's missing today is that there's mm-hmm. no ability to go on the fly and keep people vested and, and really, you know, you don't want everything to be a swerve, but you do want to have swerves, uh, and you do want to keep the product fresh. And I think back then in 96, WCW did a tremendous job at this point of doing that. Yeah, and so I was bringing up, like I say, I hate bringing up the career product. This is the, it's not the point of the show, but you know, nowadays the WWE they don't do that. You know, if you go to like an ROH, New Japan, Impact, what have you, any of the other promotions, they can get away with that because they don't have all these advertisers. They don't have all this TV time to worry about. Okay, we gotta get this, this, and this in in this amount of time. Back then, it didn't matter. It was either WCW or WWF. There wasn't. You know, as such a big variety of wrestling there is today, so I think that's you know that's the main uh, the main difference between then and now. So, um, and don't leave out uh, don't leave out ECW. But I mean, even ECW, oh, and you could sit here and and I'm as big of an ECW uh, Mark or fan or whatever you want to call me uh, that there was. And uh, but you know, with the, even with ECW, and there were things with ECW that they went you know too far as far you had the mass transit incident we won't get into all that again but mm-hmm. you know it, it's kind of like you know there's a ba- there is a balance there is a balance uh and, and that's fair um but you know it, it, at the same time you don't want your product to be considered you know super vanilla and i will say you know the one thing wwe you know a lot of people criticize i'm not trying to overly be critical of them um you know you look at smackdown though comparatively to raw you know, and I think a lot of it, some of it has to do with, you know, you have, you know, the two hour versus three hour aspect, um, you know, and that that plays a role, that plays a part. Uh, but, you know, I think SmackDown, it comes off as more fresher and unique, um, you know, and they don't have to say fresh start every 20 minutes in their programming as well. So, um, you know, with that being said, um, you know, not to veer too far off subject, but yeah, I think WCW at this point in time. You know, and as we saw, now, now to be fair, as we get into 1997 and, and to kind of look into the crystal ball a bit here, um, you know, WCW started to make that mistake of overbooking or, you know, watering down the NWO, as it were. 
Uh, and, and, and I think that would be a fair assessment. I think, you know, even the people in charge would admit to that. So, you know, but right here, you know, solid job. You got, you know, uh, you're, you're kind of switching guys and, and you're, you're trying to make it as shocking as possible. So I thought this pay-per-view did a good job of that. Yeah, definitely. So my next, the next match on the card was, I want to say on record that this was probably one of the unsung matches of the pay-per-view. Uh, which featured uh, Lex Luger taking on Arn Anderson, the enforcer himself. Luger going over on Arn Anderson uh, by submission. Uh, you can't go wrong with either of these two guys. Two, you know, Luger being the former Four Horsemen, Anderson being in the Four Horsemen at this point. Uh, you know, it was a. I I thoroughly enjoyed it because I love these two guys as workers. Um, but you know, it was what it was. And I think that's the general feeling that we're going to get throughout this pay-per-view. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but to move on, do we have three more matches on the card? The next match I'm not going to get too much time into, um, is Steve Mongo McMichael and Chris Benoit, the two other members of the four horsemen taking on the faces of fear which consisted of Meng and the Barbarian. Uh, Mike McMichael and Benoit going over the faces of fear. You know, with every pay-per-view, there's got to be some sort of filler. This was that. You know, unless you got anything, we'll move on. Uh, I do have one thing, and it's kind of a question to you, RJ, because I know you are a big Four Horsemen fan. Yes, um, sir. So the question I guess I have for you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at this point in time, there were actually five horsemen. I know they were still called the four horsemen. I'm not saying they shouldn't have yeah. been, but there were five, correct? So you had Ric Flair, Arn Anderson. Um, you had Steve Mongo McMichael, which everyone knows my thoughts on that. Uh, you right. had Chris Benoit, and you had Jeff Jarrett, who was a member of the four horsemen at this time. Is that correct? I don't know if he was officially a four horseman, but I'm pretty sure that Ric Flair was basically the... I don't want to say he was a fanboy, but he he was he was a fan of Jeff Jarrett. Whether he was an official four horseman or not at this point, ah. I know he later became a four horseman, but I don't know if he was quote unquote officially because storyline wise. Because I remember there, and I could be able to, but <clears throat> just going back in my own memory, and I remember because this when I was obviously heavy into WCW as most were. Um, I remember there was like a big conflict between Jarrett. Um, and one Steve Mongo McMichael, and I thought wasn't there some sort of a match that determined and one of them was out as a four horseman and one of them stayed in yeah, because that's yeah. where the whole tie-in was. Because at this point we don't have uh, Kurt Henning as a part of WCW right. yet, and I know that was you know I won't get into that. I, I, everybody yeah. listening hopefully remembers that, or if not, you know go back on the network and watch. Definitely great stuff. Yeah, throw it in your throw it in your Google machine. Why not? Yep. Um, so the next match was a title match, another title match on this card, which featured the tag team champions, Harlem Heat, Booker T, Stevie Ray, taking on the Outsiders, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, uh, the Outsiders to going over Harlem Heat to become your new WCW tag team champions. Uh, like I reiterated before, the title matches were, were what they were. You know, whoever was booking at this time, who knows whether it was Nash, whomever, 
you know, they book, you know, to get the NWO bigger than WCW, bigger than the wrestling business itself. And we saw that in this pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing, and I'll, I'll touch on this on my revised card, the one thing that I kind of, uh, even at the time, was a bit confusing to me was that you, know, you had the NWO, which was the heel faction, uh, which nobody mistake that, against WCW, so it was kind of like all of WCW was lumped in his faces, but we were still trying to have the four horsemen as heels uh, on the rest of the card, and but then they were faces when they faced the NWO, so I felt like there was a little bit of uh, an issue there. Uh, from my understanding, Harlem Heat were considered heels up until the point where you know you bring the outsiders along. So uh, I just thought that they could that could have been cleaned up a bit better, and I don't think that it would have been that difficult to do. Right, exactly. You know, and it's nothing against them personally. I was, and you, you, you know, too, as well as the rest of the listeners from listening to our past. WCW paper or uh, WCW shows. I'm a huge Booker T fan. I'm a big Harlem Heat fan. I don't think you know Harlem Heat gets the justice as one of the best tag teams of all time. Um, some may, some may not. Um, it really depends on what you're watching at this time. If you're a WCW guy, if you're a WWF guy, it all depends on what you're watching. But Harlem Heat is right up there with the. Edging Christians or uh, the Dudleys, Hardys, whatever. They're up there with the rest of them. So, you know, I hated seeing, and we'll get into this with our cards, but I hated seeing the Outsiders going over the Harlem Heat so quickly, um, you know, coming into this pay-per-view. But um, our next match, excuse me, our next, our main event of the evening, like we said, I said at the beginning of the show, is the WCW Heavyweight Championship of the World, the champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hogan, if you mind you, taking on Randy Savage. Uh, for what it was worth, it was good. You know, it made for all the um, the buildup. You know, it was what it was, man. I, you know, I, you can't go wrong with it, you know. When we had Dennis on, when we did the uh, show we did with him, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. And this, it ain't broke, don't fix it. No, yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. Uh, Hogan Savage is something that, you know, you, you see some of the other matches. Of course, you know, um, we've covered Hogan and Warrior in the past. Um, and that really, you know, again, went over like a popcorn fart in church. But um, here, you know, Hogan and Savage, these were both two guys that could go, specifically Savage. Um, I dare anybody to really go back and find a bad Macho Man Randy Savage match um, in WWF or WCW. Um, I won't include TNA in that. That was, you know, a little bit later. Um, but, you know, that being said, I think that, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, this match and, you know, some people would say, oh, well, you know, been there, done that. But this was had, this match had some pretty good heat behind it. And, uh, yeah. I can remember there being high anticipation for it. Um, I personally, as a younger version of myself, uh, was definitely pulling for Macho Man Randy Savage. So, and that did mm -hmm. not happen. Well, I think everybody was too. And, you know, and I'll go off what you said too, that you can't find a bad Savage match. You know, you can find, oh, okay, well, it's not so good, but you know, for the most part, you ain't going to find a bad Randy Savage match, whether it be in WWF or uh, WCW. But, yeah, it's as, as a whole, this pay-per-view 
you know, it did what it was supposed to do. It got the NWO over. It made a lot of uh, a lot of fans. You had 10,000 fans here at the MGM Grand. You can't go wrong with that, man, especially in Vegas at this time. In 96, this was kind of that turning point in the wrestling business. Uh, and, you know, all I'll say after that was holy, holy Slim Jim during this pay-per-view. Obviously, this was that pay-per-view where his being main sponsor was was Slim Jim with Savage main eventing. But holy God, I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I, one, I didn't have a Slim Jim, but I couldn't tell you the last time I had a Slim Jim. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, definitely Slim Jim was a great sponsor that Randy Savage was able to bring to WCW. Speaking of sponsors, we have our sponsor of our own here on Revisionist Booking and for the Wrestling Perspective Network, and that is Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all of our listeners here at Revisionist Booking Podcast. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code WPP. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code WPP to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for supporting the network. And as always, you're welcome. So, for those of our listeners that haven't listened before, this is what we call our revisionist booking part of revisionist booking, uh, where Michael and I basically rebook the pay-per-view, so... Michael, you want to do the honors of going first? Absolutely. And as always, you're welcome. So, my first match, uh, we're going to keep the Malenko Mysterio Jr. match. We are going to let that be, uh, and we are going to see Dean Malenko be victorious over Ray Mysterio Jr. to win the Cruiserweight Championship of the World in WCW. Well, like we said, when we were uh, look, revise, or re-looking at the pay-per-view, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, so my first match is going to be go along those lines. My first match is going to feature Eddie Guerrero taking on DDP. However, if anybody has listened to last week's episode we did on Bash at the Beach, I had DDP uh, helping the NWO. This with this pay per view, I'm having the NWL help DDP taking out Eddie Guerrero and DDP going over Eddie Guerrero with a diamond cutter. Bang! Very well, very well. 
so we love our continuity here. Um, I my next match, my second match, we're going to see Lex Luger going against the Giant. So as as we know now from you know bringing back the continuity piece from you know my last card. Uh, at Bash at the Beach, you had the Giant teaming with Luger and Sting. Sting has went away. The Giant and Luger are fighting over whose fault it was, over, you know, why they weren't able to overcome what happened with the NWO. This is going to lead to an issue between the two. Uh, this allows the Giant to go back heel. It's going to become a running theme here on my card. Uh, and you are going to see the Giant be able, Lex Luger's going to try and get him up in the torture racks, not going to be able to do it, and the Giant is going to end up defeating Lex Luger in the second match of this pay-per-view. Very well, very well. I'm going to go along the same lines. I'm going to have the Giant in my next match, but I'm going to have him taking on one half of the Faces of Fear, Mang. This is a match... This pay-per-view, mind you, is has to have some sort of filler. It ain't going to be all, you know, eight-star, 20-star matches in the Tokyo Dome. This match is going to be your filler of this evening, of this of this pay-per-view. But it's still going to be a good pay-per-view. We're going to, excuse me, a good match. We're going to have the Giant go over on Meng. Meng putting over the younger Giants. And thus, continuing, you know, that um, that heel, heel giant. Um, so, you know, what if this match is going to be what it was. And, you know, the giant going over on Meg. Oh, that's, that's very interesting, RJ. Very good perspective there. Um, so, for my next match, we are going to have Chris Jericho. Uh, versus Psychosis, and this is going to be a number one contendership match um, for the uh, Cruiserweight Championship, the aforementioned Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, and, you know, obviously that was a big deal back here at this time. Um, and uh, you're going to get a, a very good back-and-forth match. Both of these competitors could absolutely go. And um, so you could definitely see... Uh, them going back and forth and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, playing well off of one another. Psychosis was somebody who could bring it night in and night out. We saw a, a lot of great things from that character. And, uh, you know, that's definitely uh, someone who I feel like could really push, a, you know, a Chris Jericho here. Um, but essentially, that's what we're trying to do here is push a Chris Jericho. Uh, and he is going to be victorious and become the number one contender to the cruiserweight title. Uh, and we're going to see, you know, uh, that's going to set up a future Jericho Malenko match. Mm -hmm. okay. It's an interesting way of looking at it. I'll tell you that much. Now, my next match is going to be with uh, with the cruiserweight division. However, it's not going to be a singles match. It's not going to be a triple threat. It's not going to be a four-way. It's going to be a tag team match. I'm going, to see, I'm going to make a little twist on it. I'm, we're going to see the team of Psychosis and Juventud Guerrera. We saw them on the pre-show, or the, the, the uh, dark match, excuse me. But this time they're taking on the team, the awkward team, the not unorthodox team of Malenko and Rey Mysterio. We're going to see Psychosis and Juventud Guerrero go over on Malenko and Mysterio just because... 
Malenko and Mysterio can't get along. They're thrown in this match by the powers to be at WCW against their wishes. Uh, they can't get along because they have that hatred toward, towards each other. So Psychosis and Guerrero are going to be going over on Malenko and Mysterio and thus continuing the feud between Malenko and Mysterio for next pay-per-view. Well, I'm sure that would be some some absolutely great action there. Definitely good call with that uh, pick there, RJ. Um, really digging that. So here, uh, you had spoken about why Ric Flair wasn't on the card, right? Well, you know what? I had to go ahead and add Ric Flair um, onto the card here. Um, and what you're going to see here is Ric Flair, who is the United States champion at the time, um, is going to come in here. Now, here's the thing. Here's the backdrop. Here's what I want to get across to those of you listening to help better understand what I'm trying to do here. So, Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen have turned face. They're faces because you have the NWO. You have that situation. And who better to have Ric Flair go against than six? Yes, I know. Road Wild happened. Uh, and then that this was a match there. I want this match again. I thoroughly enjoyed that match. And I want that match here. And in this situation, you're going to see Six trying to gain the U.S. championship away from Ric Flair. Um, you're going to see a, a very well back-and-forth match. You're going to get some little NWO attempts at interference, but you're going to have the enforcer, Arn Anderson, come down, and he is going to fight them off and help Ric Flair, and they're going to play their dirty tricks and show the NWO how it's done, and Ric Flair is going to be victorious by making Six tap out to the figure four leg lock. That's a very interesting look on it. That was one of the ways I was going to go with it. However, I went a different way, and we'll get into that later in my card, but a very interesting way, and great minds think alike, my friend. Absolutely, and you're welcome. Thank you. Um, so welcome. my next, my fourth match of the evening is going to feature uh, a four horseman. It's not going to be Ric Flair. But it's to be Chris Benoit with Arn Anderson in his corner, taking on a former Four Horsemen in Lex Luger. Mm. You know, a lot of, at this time, the WCW was basically strapping a rocket to Lex Luger and taking him to the moon, seeing what they can get out of him. However, what they're not going to get out of him today is a victory. We're going to have Chris Benoit go over and be victorious over Lex Luger because, you know, not to, you know, we know what's going to happen later on. We're going to see the Radicals go to WWE. In this aspect, I'm going to get over Chris Benoit because I want him to stay in WCW. He's a workhorse. I'm not going to go into what happened later in life. We're talking about right now. Chris Benoit is a great worker, and, you know, he's going to go over in this match over Lex Luger. I like it. I like it. Very good. So my next match, I'm going to play a little bit into what you did. Now, I'm not I'm not going to go exactly with what you did. DDP uh, is going to be in this next match. He's not a part of the NWO, but there's going to be that tease, right? There's going to be that tease that DDP is kind of maybe, you know, he's definitely being recruited. Maybe he's being aligned with the New World Order here, the NWO. Um, and so you're going to get a, a match because Arn Anderson, the enforcer, the aforementioned enforcer uh, is going to take issue with that. He's going to question DDP and we're going to lead into a singles match seeing Arn Anderson versus one DDP. And this match is going to 
go on. You're going to see Arn Anderson being the enforcer, doing the things he does. But you're going to see Six come out and help with by being a distraction and kind of maybe with one of those uh, uh, kicks. Because remember, Arn Anderson came out in this previous match and helped uh, Ric Flair uh, basically uh, you know, beat Six. And Six wasn't able to get the U.S. title. So you're going to see Six come out, and he's going to be a distraction and maybe even get a little uh, flying kick in here or there. Um, and on to Arn Anderson, and that'll lead Arn Anderson right into a bang diamond cutter, and you're going to see DDP with the one, two, three, um, and you're going to see basically an attack happen after the match um, with DDP and six, you know, basically destroying Arn Anderson. Rick's going to come out. Those guys are going to kind of run away. Um, Arn Anderson's going to get put on a stretcher. It's going to be a serious moment here. Uh, and you're going to see Arn Anderson go headed to the hospital, uh, and Ric Flair is going to be riding with him. Keep it that in mind for the later uh, things that are going to occur on my card. Excellent, excellent. So my next match is going to be another singles match. Great man, single like I'm going to have six taking on J E double F J A double R E double T. Ain't he great? However, he ain't going to be great this night. Six is going to be going over Jeff Jarrett to get that NWO feeling of this pay-per-view. So, six going over. Ain't he great? Not this night, Jeff Jarrett. That's a wonderful thought there, Slap Nuts. All right, so now moving on to my Slap Nut match of the night. We are going to see a tag team match. You are going to see Jeff Jarrett and Chris Benoit teaming up against a steel heel Harlem Heat. However, the Harlem Heat are not your world tag team champions. Continuity. Remember, people, who's still you, who was your tag team champs when you first last left off with me? That's right, the Steiner brothers. More on that in a moment. So, that being said... You're going to get Jeff Jarrett and Chris Benoit teaming up. You're going to get the Harlem Heat. Both of them feel like they should be number one contenders for the tag team titles uh, that the Steiner brothers hold. Uh, and, you know, we're going to get to that again in a minute. But basically, you're going to see these two teams going at it. And this is going to be a brutal knockdown, drag them out fight. And we're going to see this become a double countout as they are going to start fighting all over the arena. And they are going to fight all the way out to the point where they're out into the public. And they are no longer in the building. Double count out Smods Fest here between Jeff Jarrett and Chris Benoit against the Harlem Heat. Interesting way of looking at it. So my next match is going to be a title match. It's going to be for the U.S. Championship match. We reiterated before, Ric Flair wasn't on this card to begin with. I'm putting him on this card just like you. But this time, I'm not putting him against Six. I'm going to put him against Chris Jericho. I'm going to put the nature boy himself, the legend, going against the young up-and-comer, Chris Jericho. However, you know, Chris Jericho, you know, this is a kind of a precursor of what's going to happen later on in WWE with him facing Ric Flair. But Ric Flair is going to take this young whippersnapper to the woodshed, making him tap out to the figure four. But you're going to see a great match without a sh without question. You're going to see a great match between Chris Jericho and Ric Flair. 
but Ric Flair will retain his United States Championship. Very done there, without question. I see what you did there, pal. Shout out to what happened when. Um, so my semi-main event here, we are going to see the Steiner brothers, the tag team champions, yes, and they are going to defend against the Outsiders, right? So you're going to get, again, a, this is a classic match, one that we would see. You are going to see the Outsiders do their dastardly things, get the NWO's help, and the Outsiders will be your WCW World Tag Team Champions, and they will take the belts away from the Steiner Brothers. Interesting. And, ironically enough, like it's, I think it's going to be a theme of the show. Great minds think alike. My next match is going to be for those set tag team championships of the world. However, my tag team champions are going to be Harlem Heat going into it, taking on the Outsiders. Like we said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. However, I'm going to have a nice little swerve on this. You mentioned a young man, maybe not so young at this time, Kurt Henning, right? We're going to see Kurt Henning make his debut in WCW at this time. They're working the numbers. He's going to make his debut coming over from WWF. He is going to attempt to help the Outsiders and join the NWO because what's better, what's the best thing in the business right now? The NWO. However, he's going to cost them the victory. You're still tag team champions, Harlem Heat. Very, very interesting. So now we are at the Golden Voices main event. You're welcome for all of the wonderful stuff I've been plugging into your ear holes. We are now here. And this main event will remain the same. You will see Hollywood Hulk Hogan going up against a face, but still member of the Four Horsemen. Remember, Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage. So remember that. So what we have is our situation here. What do we know so far if you followed my card? We know that. Randy Savage is very much a member of the Four Horsemen. We know that. The Four Horsemen are no longer in this building. So that's not a good deal for the macho man, Randy Savage. With no backup, you're going to see... Hogan and Savage go back and forth. Savage is going to gain an advantage. Hogan's going to do his dashly things. We're going to see some NWO interference, as we always do. Out comes the Giant. He comes out. He's here to help Savage, right? Not so much. You are going to see the heel turn of the Giant, and he is going to choke slam Macho Man Randy Savage. This is after a ref bump. Ref gets revived. Hogan counts the, ref counts the one, two, three. Your winner and still WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But wait, they're not done with Savage yet. They are going to absolutely destroy Randy Savage here. And this is going to set up a match between the Horsemen and the NWO. At, uh, I believe it was uh, War Games, correct me if I'm wrong, um, RJ. So we're no, going to see that get set up here uh, with these events. 
Um, and I will give a little hint here. I don't know when we'll touch on um, that said War Games pay-per-view, but just think about it. Do you think Randy Savage is going to be very happy with the Four Horsemen after what has happened? So just think, in that match, potentially, we could be looking at allegiances being broken. On to very you. well. Very good. Very well done. You're welcome. So, great minds think alike. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going to have the same men event. However, we're going to see Nick Patrick be the referee. We know Nick Patrick's a quote-unquote heel referee, part of the NWO, whatever. However, we're going to see him take a rough bump later on in the paper in this match. You know, we're going to see Hogan have his little shenanigans with the NWO. We're going to have Savage, you know, get his edge. But who are we going to see coming down the ramp next? All the NWO is gone. They're beat up. They're gone. Who do we see coming down the ramp next? But one, Easy e Eric Bischoff. Last time we saw him, he was doing commentary. He was doing broadcast work. However, he's walking down. He's got a black shirt on. He's got black jeans on. He's got a black jacket on. What is he doing? We don't know what he's doing. He's coming down to interview somebody? No. He's coming down. We're going to see the turn of Eric Bischoff as a member to join the NWO as their quote-unquote leader. We're going to see him take off the T-shirt. Underneath that T-shirt, we're going to see a referee shirt. We're going to see Hogan drop the big leg on Savage for the one, the two, the three. Your winner and still WCW heavyweight champion, Hollywood, Hulk Hogan. Very interesting. So you're going to circumvent the whole, because in this actual pay-per-view, you know, um, we saw Piper debut, um, which mm-hmm. obviously I didn't have in my card, you didn't have on your card. So you're going to circumvent. So are you saying you wouldn't get Piper involved or you would get him involved in a different way rather than expose... Okay. I'll get him involved in a different way. You know, at this time, we'll see night, uh, WCW Nitro the next night. We're going to see him get involved some way. You know, we're going to see Eric Bischoff turn heel, uh, join the NWO. We're going to see some sort of way to get Piper involved at Nitro the next night to kind of even uh, even the table, the, the, the odds a little bit with Piper joining. He's not part of the WCW. He's not part of the NWO like we saw later on in Starcade. Um you know, we're going to see, you know, Piper try to get rid of Bischoff, but Hogan's right there. And, you know, they're buddies, they're pals. Um, context is king. You're going to see, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. You know, and that's, you know, that was probably the turning point. I would have made a little bit earlier at this event than what it was uh, with Bischoff turning, but, you know, it was what it was, but. No, yeah, understood, and I think I am going to call a little bit of an audible here, a little bit of cheating, um, but I think one thing that I would, you know, maybe add in for the end of, of my card here is that you will see Piper's music play, he'll come out on the stage as a surprise, and he'll just kind of shake his head and look at Hogan and then walk out and leave, and that'll lead us into Nitro, um, just because, you know, they've destroyed Savage, so... Um, I think that's that's a little added piece. We'll we'll, we'll end off there uh, with my card. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, RJ? No, I'm good. I think you know you know this card was what it was. We kind of we, hopefully we did it justice. Hopefully we did. Everybody enjoyed our cards. But we're going to be debuting a new segment on the revisionist booking. It's called 
And for those of you that have listened to past shows, you'll know this name fairly, fairly uh, commonly. It's called Ringside Rant. And in this aspect, I'm going to give Michael something. He's going to give me something, too. We're going to try to each individually get it over. We haven't been told. We haven't shared this with each other. We're going to have 30 seconds to get this over and to push it. Um, just a little bit more to try to make it work, to get it over. So, without being said, Michael, my ringside rant for you this evening, this episode, is going to be two guys that are fan that we're both fans of, Mike Tenay, Tony Schiavone. This aspect, I want you to get over that today, Mike today is a far better and greater play-by-play broadcaster than Tony Schiavone. And in that aspect before, we have 30 seconds to get that over. You have 30 seconds to get that over. But any questions before I start the clock? No, I think I understand what we're doing here. Okay. So, in three... Two, one, go. Well, you know, Mike Tanay was so much more knowledgeable than Tony Schiavone. You asked him a question, Mike Tanay could give you the backstory, the backdrop. Tony Schiavone, was he entertaining? Sure. Um, but Tony Schiavone wasn't play-by-play. He was the lead announcer. He was the guy directing traffic. Play-by-play, you know, that's something that uh, was done much better than by Mike Tanay. So, you know, Mike Tanay is the greatest play-by-play, much better than Tony Schiavone. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. Yep. So, there you go. You have mine. Now it's time, as they say, RJ, for you to take your medicine. And this is going to be your medicine. So, earlier in the show, you say... You'll never hear me book Ric Flair to lose. Well, guess what, pal? That changes right now, right here. That's right, RJ. I am going to give you this situation, and you got 30 seconds to get it over. And it involves the nature boy, Ric Flair, is going to lose at this Halloween Havoc event. So here you go. Oh, is he going to lose? Is he going to lose? Is it for the uh, U.S. title? I'm assuming. Let me finish. But yes, okay. you're on to something here. Yep, he's going to drop a title. He's going to okay. drop a title and drop a deuce. No, I'm just kidding. He's going to drop a title. <laughs> so <laughs> here's what we have, <laughs> Mr. R.J. Mr. Magical Voice. <laughs> he's holding up the four. He's he doesn't want to do it, but he's going to have to. All right. Why should Ric Flair have lost the United States Championship to six at this said Halloween Havoc pay-per-view? Put it over, pal. Let me know when you're ready. Let's do it. All right. And three, two, one, and go. So Ric Flair's the man. Woo! But he's not going to be this man, unfortunately, tonight. Six, he's the NWO. The NWO is hot at this time. What's best for business, and unfortunately what best is for business this time, is Six going over Ric Flair. Six is going to have his NWO brother and make sure that he gets that championship. 
The NWO is going to screw over Ric Flair, the Four Horsemen. Six is going to win the U.S. Championship over Ric Flair, unfortunately. But Ric Flair is still going to go over either way. Whether he wins, he loses. Three, he's Ric Flair. He's never two, one, stop. Woo! So there you go. That was our first edition of the Ringside Rant Challenge or Ringside Rant. We definitely want you revisionist revolutionists to share that out. Use the hashtag Ringside Rant. Give us your thoughts on what transpired here today. I've gotten RJ to do the impossible to book Ric Flair to lose. Ric Flair never loses. Whether When he does lose, he doesn't lose. Everybody wins when they see Ric Flair. Shatter right now. But that, I, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> you got me all flustered now. That, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you're welcome for that. It's been a fantastic show, RJ. I had a great time today oh, with yeah. you listening. Later today, we are recording this on Sunday. My Chicago Bears, Bear Down Chicago Bears, are fixing to go over the defending world or world wrestling, the defending <laughs> NFL champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. They are fixing to do that. And then, RJ, I meant to ask you, how are the Buffalo Bills doing? Uh, are they going to get the Grey Cup this year up in the CFL? Well, they're doing great. They scored three goals last night. Oh, no, no, that's that's the Sabres. Never mind. I'm sorry. Um, no, the Bills are golfing right now. They're actually – they've come up with a new sport called winter and snow golfing, and the Bills are experts at that because they never make the playoffs, so they're experts at snow golfing. Um, so without – that being said, with your Bears winning today, and that's if they win, and I'm pretty sure they're going to win because I picked them to win, they're not going to get past the New Orleans Saints either way. So good luck with your win today, and may God have mercy on your soul when you face the Saints and lose to the Saints eventually. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I smell a wager. That's something we're going to talk amongst ourselves for. But at least as far as today goes, to be the men, you have to beat the men. The Philadelphia Eagles are the defending NFL champions, not WWE champions, as I tried to say earlier, but the <laughs> NFL champions. So to be the men, you got to beat the men. We're going to beat them down today here in Chicago, and it's going to be a wonderful, glorious day. And then we will become victorious over those Los Angeles Rams next week. And then, if the Saints want to get in our way, we'll come marching in to put our foots up their backsides. Bear down, Chicago Bears. We will win. And as you guys are listening to this, as we're rolling out on Tuesday, um, you know that I was absolutely correct. You're welcome. And that the Chicago Bears are advancing and they're going to head over to LA. That being said, uh, real quick, RJ, I do want to send a shout out and a thank you to one Matt Kuhn uh, brought us up over there on the Truth with Consequences podcast with one Vince Russo. Definitely encourage everyone to go check it out. They're on social media on Twitter at Russo Kuhn. Check them out also on Facebook. Uh, same deal. Uh, look for uh, Russo Kuhn TWC. Uh, so that being said, RJ, what do you have to plug? So, so next week, uh, next Tuesday, we're going to have the anniversary of uh, the Royal Rumble 1992. 27 years next week. 
I believe it was the, uh, I want to say around the 19th or so, give or take, but it's going to be around that time we're going to be uh, releasing an episode. So we're going to be going over and revising, rebooking the Royal Rumble from 1992. And we're going to see Ric Flair again, and he's going to be going over, whether you like it or not. Woo! Um, So next week, we're going to be doing the Royal Rumble 1992 from the WWF. Um, But before then, head over, follow us on the Twitter gimmick, at Revisionist Booking. Or excuse me, Revisionist Book. Excuse me, I should know the own handle, but that's Revisionist Book on Twitter. You can follow me, at KrasinskiRJ. And Michael, where where can they find you? You can find the Golden Voice on Twitter, at Golden, or at Golden Voice. Wow. Now, I, this has just turned into, you know, a regular crap show here. Um, no, at Michael Berry Sr. I'm on Instagram as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am Mike Berry Sr. on the old Instagram tool. So hit me up over there. We have a Facebook page. Do we not, RJ, for Revisionist Book or a group, I believe? Yeah, we're at, we're at Revisionist Booking on Facebook. There you go. So uh, we have that going on. Once again, we've just really given you uh, our revisionist thoughts here. We revisit, uh, revised, and rebooked um, uh, our uh, Halloween Havoc 1996. Um, It's been a a, a wonderful show. Can't wait to watch my bears. As always, you're welcome. And RJ, let the revisionist revolution begin.